0: This is the Insurance Buzz, where we discuss selling insurance in today's time, generating time and financial freedom in your agency, and what's trending in our industry. I'm your host, Michael Weaver. And in this episode, we have special guest, Mr. Brandon Hansen, where we talk about all things from what he learned as a young child working on a dairy farm to why he chose entrepreneurship and business ownership, and the importance of finding your happy place as a business owner. With that being said, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to The Buzz. This is your host, Michael Weaver, and today we have a special guest, Mr. Brandon Hanson. How are you today, Brandon? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? You know, my man, I'm just getting, I'm ready to get buzzed on The Buzz today, my man. (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely me too i'm looking forward
0: to this thanks so much absolutely so brandon you know how we start this or you may not know how we start this but who was brandon before insurance <laughs> um that's a good question uh
1: i i've i've had quite the uh, different career uh, throughout my life um Before I became an insurance agent, the first job I ever had uh, at 12 years old, I worked on a dairy farm. Um, My dad literally picked me up one day after school, said, hey, I got you a job, drove me down to a farm about three miles from my house, introduced me to Tim, the farmer, and left. So that was my first ever job.
0: (laughs) um, Oh, man, a dairy farm. I've heard so I grew up on a smaller scale. My, my wife obviously grew up on a larger scale cattle farm, like sh- showed cattle. And so I've heard dairy farms are like the the worst. I mean, you got to be out there bright and early in the morning, super late at night. Like, is it, is it true? Is it dairy farming yeah, like yeah. super tough? Yep. Okay. Yep. Four, four in the morning. Uh, that's, that's when the milking
1: started. Um, dairy cows, they don't take off Christmas. They don't take off New Year's. They don't care if you don't feel well. When it's their time to get milk, that's when they're ready to go. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I started my working career. And believe it or not, what I learned on the farm carries over to my everyday life, even at age fifty-one. So yeah, it was actually really, really good learning experience. And you started yeah. that. And you started that at twelve. I was twelve years
0: old. Yeah, I made two dollars and fifty cents an hour. <laughs> good, good for you, man. That's uh, that is. That's amazing. Yeah. It's funny. You say that <coughs> Courtney and I were just talking the other day and it's like, I can't, re- I can't recall a ton of my friends, like in school and peers that were working at a young age. Cause I, I was, now I wasn't working on a dairy farm at 12, but I was out trying uh-huh. to push moyars yards at 12. But, um, it's just, so tell, t- talk a little bit about maybe those, those one, two, three things that you did learn in your early age of working on a dairy farm that has carried over into your life. At the age of what you just say, fifty-one, right now? Yeah, yeah. I turned fifty-one next week, so yeah. Okay, right, yeah. so ha- happy early so, birthday! But oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> it. So, so yeah. So let's let's just talk a little bit about that. Like, what what did you learn that has carried over into your life?
1: One of the biggest lessons was I think I was there maybe four days. Uh, one of the hired hands, his name was Art, uh, older guy, been with Tim the farmer for thirty plus years. Um, the cows were in the pasture. And he says, help me bring them down into the barn for them to get milk. So here I am, this 12-year-old kid, you know, chasing, running after all these cows. And we have this big, huge 8,000-pound traffic jam where I tried to chase all of the cows into the doorway at the same time. (laughs) Art looks at me and he goes, what the hell are you doing? He goes, you can't force 250 cows into the same door all at once. What are you thinking? You know, and the cows are piled up on top of each other and mooing and things like that. So then we had to unjam everybody. You know, all of the cows. So now what we do is in sales is we picture our customers as the cows out in the field or potential customers out in the field mooing, walking around, living their lives, and then through our elevator speech that we learn through you. Um, through our quote presentation through our rapport building we're bringing them from the field closer and closer into the barn into the door into their individual stall and then then they become our customers so that is how i learned that life lesson where you can't shove everybody into the same door all at once you got to guide them in through your sales presentation through your rapport building and then that's how you can get your customers all out milling around down to where you need them to be to become a customer. Yep. So that's one lesson that I learned from art teen million years ago, you know, so that's how we visualize our
0: customers right now. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get them into the funnel and then you funnel each, each individual one. That's, that's good. I like that. All right. All right. That's good. So, um, all right. So after, So obviously you decided not you didn't want to be a dairy farmer your entire life. So what 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 transpired then? I don't think you just then went into insurance, right? No, no, no. So then what happened? My parents got divorced. Uh,
1: I went to go live with my dad. My dad was in his late 30s, so he was gone a lot. Uh, so in order to figure out how to feed myself and make a little extra money, I got a job at a restaurant that I could ride my bike to. So I started working. Over the summer from 10 in the morning to three in the afternoon, washing dishes at a restaurant. One day the cook didn't show up. So the owner walks back in the kitchen. He goes, Do you know how to function at the grill? I said, No, but I can figure it out. So from there, I taught myself how to how to cook in restaurants, went from the restaurant world uh, all through high school because it was just an easy way to get a job. You know, restaurants were always tiring. So I learned how to cook, uh, learned how to manage a kitchen, learned how to order stock and things like that. You know, just, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was actually building a business foundation through all of that. Uh, You know, I I was in high school, um, got my driver's license early, started working in the restaurant from at 3.30 in the afternoon, worked till one in the morning, next day went to school, you know, the whole nine yards, I had a decent car. So, you know, it was all through working and, and whatnot. So then after the restaurant business, uh, I started, uh, I was interested in photography. So I started taking pictures for racing magazines, had my own dark room in my house, processed all my own black and white pictures, sent them off to the publications, ended up getting press credentials to go to local races, um, national like IndyCar races and Dover and Pocono and Nazareth, Pennsylvania. So I got into that, that was like my own little business. I would go to local, uh, they call them quarter midget tracks where kids from five to age 16 could race these little cars. And I started my own photography booth there. So I would go the week before, take pictures, go home, develop, print all of these pictures, uh, I made little photo buttons that the grandparents could wear on their shirts. I made calendars and I set up this little car table booth and I would sell, sell pictures and, you know, novelty items and things like that. Uh, then after that, I, uh, got into the car business cause that's what my dad did for a living. I uh, learned how to become a used car dealer, uh, stopped working for him, opened my own used car business, uh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been a kind of a different windy road, but every step along the way, there's always been a sales aspect to what I've done. And, you know, so that's what really it brought me here. It was funny after I sold my car business, I got a job at a factory where I wanted to punch a clock in the morning, punch a clock in the afternoon and go home and be done work kind of like a life reset type thing. And then uh, I had a friend that was in the insurance business. And he's like, you know, Brandon, you ought to really think about the uh, insurance business. You'd be really good at it. And I was like, oh, insurance. Uh, I don't know about that. And uh, as they say, duck the water. That's exactly what happened. It was the duck the water thing. Um, it's sales, but it's not really sales because you can focus on people. In the car business, it was. When you come onto that car lot, if you don't buy at that point in time, I'll probably never see you again. In the insurance business, we kind of have a little bit of time. You can build a relationship. You can get to know everybody. Uh, so that's what I really enjoy about the about the insurance world.
0: Okay, I love that. So, and you, and so you owned a, and you had a really successful car business. Obviously, I know I this. Mm-hmm. In talking to you prior. Um, but so you got out of the car business and then you took a little stint away from sales, just punching the clock. So what made you want to get back into that? Like business owner, entrepreneur, it's yours versus just punching the clock. Quality of life. Uh,
1: my kids, when I was at the, when I was working at the factory, were eight and 10 years old at the time. I didn't want to be that guy that was in my late 30s to have to ask somebody permission to go participate in my children's lives. I wanted to be able to go to their after school program without asking permission, go to a mid afternoon parent chaperone on a field trip, things like that. So that was the whole quality of life decision that I didn't want to stick with the factory life because when I you know started working in the factory i literally started sweeping the floors and then by the time i left i was the factory i was a factory supervisor i ran the entire deal and i was like i don't want to be stuck in this rut and ask people permission i wanted that quality of life i wanted that freedom so that's why the insurance business was such a such an intriguing part of hey this is my next
0: step that's okay. how that came about. I love that. That's uh, that's that's what it's about. Because when you can, when you can call your own shots. Um, now, granted, there's there's a lot of hard, hard, tough, uh, really difficult times sometimes as a business owner, entrepreneur. But at the end of the day, it's yours. No one's in control of your schedule. No one can tell you what to do. So I uh, I dig that. All right, that's good. And so then. Now, did you get straight into the insurance that you're doing now, or, did, or was it that when you got into MetLife?
1: Yeah, I, I started with MetLife, so I <laughs> okay. went from the factory directly into MetLife. Okay. I had never studied for an insurance test in my life. Uh, some people would probably cringe at this, but it took me six times to get my license. Six <laughs> times. <laughs> I'm not a huge study person. Mm -hmm. Um, I got through school, high school, just barely getting by. I did what I needed to do to graduate. And that was it. Um, that was one of the promises that I made to myself, my wife and my daughters, that when I got into the insurance business, it was not to get by. We were going to succeed. We were going to be the best of the best. Um, so yeah, so it took me six times to get my test, uh, to finally get my license uh, after that happened, it was it was off to the races. It just I always say life is divided up into big decisions. Mm-hmm. That was one of the easiest big decisions that I ever had to make, going from factory to the insurance world. Uh, same thing when I left MetLife to come to State Farm. That was another life big decision, super easy big decision. So yeah, it's that's how that came
0: about. No, I love it. So. <sighs> And, and you're you've been great. It's been fun. And obviously we've been working together for I don't know, two years now, maybe a little, little bit longer than that. So to watch I, watch the progression. I, like it's been fun. Like your your progression's been great. And you knocked it out of the park in MetLife. So tell me what that transition looked like going from because it's a different model. Obviously, MetLife was more just you, then now you have the business model. So tell talk to us a little bit about maybe what that transition looked like, maybe some struggle areas that you've had to overcome. Um, that I think that'd be really good. Yeah,
1: a- excellent question. Um, with MetLife, we were employees of MetLife. So they gave us our health benefits. We had mm. a little guaranteed income, but we still had to produce. Not at the level as what, as what state farm agents produce, but we still had to produce. When I left MetLife, I was in the top 1% of the company. Uh, I started out doing internet leads. That's when, um, you you know, you would call somebody and they would actually still pick up the phone. Not where they're inundated right now with marketing left and right, uh, things like that. So, you know, it it was simpler, per se. You know, you actually would call, talk to somebody where they weren't talking to 10, 15 other people. And then we transitioned away from internet leads to where I would go to big corporations, present to them about insurance, how they could get employee discounts, and then I would generate the leads that way. Well, when I left MetLife, the state farm, it was like, hey, congratulations, here's your phone, here's your computer. I literally turned the light on and I had nobody. I had nothing. I was at zero. (laughs) 13 years of growing my MetLife business, when I left MetLife Capital, I had nothing when I started with State Farm. My first customer with State Farm was an old MetLife customer. And I did the quote, presented the quote, and I said yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? <laughs> 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 so I had to call my agent, who was a friend of a uh, mentor, a friend of mine. And I'm like, okay, Mark, I did this. Now what do I do? And he's like, did you get their credit card number? No, now what do I do? (laughs) So, you know, it was this whole big excitement thing. But where the transition was, was I would go present to several hundred employees, walk out with several hundred leads. The transition was light switch on, phone on, nothing. So I had to get into that internet lead Warm call transfer, hot call transfer, that whole building thing, uh, building block step. For whatever reason, from the time I started with Met 13 years ago till five years ago when I was Safe Farm, the world completely changed. The way people communicate, the way people wanted to be marketed to, the way people look at marketing... It's completely changed. And for whatever reason, the transition from what I did at MetLife to State Farm had a lot of rough spots. It was clunky. We would get some momentum gone and then we'd hit a dip and then the dip would extend for a while longer. And then through the wonders of social media, I saw this Michael Weaver Sales Academy. (laughs) And then I heard other agents talking about it and I was struggling. And I was like, uh, can I afford to do this? Do I want to do it? And then when I talked to, you know, one of your team members at the time, I was like, eh, that's a tall order. I don't know if I have the confidence to do this. And then when I hung up, I was like, you know what, dude, you don't have a choice. You got to do it. And, y- you know, you open the door of the airplane, pull the straps down on your parachute, jump out and hope when you pull the report it works. So, you know, that's exactly what we've done. And it, it, it's been a fantastic ride. It's literally changed, not only the culture in my office, not only the income of the office, it's changed my outlook as far as books, podcasts, the community involvement. It, 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 it's, it's been an absolute 180 to, to how I used to look at things
0: no well and thank you and and it's funny i still remember that um yeah, i still remember uh at the time one of my team he, he came to me he's like and i don't know brandon just he's he really doesn't know he's concerned about the price and um or the investment and then all, you did make the investment i was like let's go let's do this and and you but here's the thing is you bought in because Every, you invested not only in yourself, you invested in your team. And I think that that's really important. And not only did you invest and just say, here you go, team, or hey, I'm just going to do this myself. You're not, you're not going to include, you worked it. I mean, you all show up every, you guys show up to every single training. Like you put in the work because at the end of the day, if you make an investment, it's not a secret. It's not It's not like a secret sauce. It's not a magic bullet. Like you have to work the investment. If you just, hey, here you go. Here's Here's some money, but you don't do anything with it. You're not going to see any results because nothing changes unless you change. Nothing changes unless you put in the work to grow and develop to who you need to be. And so, kudos to you for not only making the investment, but then committing to the investment. I think there's something to be said about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for for uh, mentioning that. You know, it was it was interesting the day after that. Um, you know, we we formalized everything with Weaver Sales Academy. I only had Julie and Alyssa here in the office at that point in time. It was just the three of us, and I looked at them and I said, "I made a huge investment. It scared the bejesus out of me. We're doing it." and we're going to do it hundred percent, it's non-negotiable. And uh, it, it's like I said before, you know, being in sales for so long, I had the foundation. I mm-hmm. knew what to say, but I couldn't articulate it. And I'm the type of leader where here's your responsibility. These are the key points. And then with Weaver Sales Academy, it was, okay, here it is we're going to learn this together use Michael's foundation but i want you to sprinkle your personality into it and then make it your own and that's that's the beauty of it that's that's why it works so well and that's why we're so involved because it's just not a sales program it's the community and and that's the important part because as an insurance agent we only see the world from behind our desk and we only think a slow day happens to us. It's happening to everybody, you know. Um, but by talking to everybody in the Weaver community, other agents, their view behind their from their desk is the same as what we're experiencing. They're having the same objections. They're having the same, you know, non callbacks from potential customers. You know, they're going through the exact same thing. And when you're involved in a program, it helps you get through those rough edges.
0: Yep, it's uh it, it, the importance of stacking wins and I know I know I talk about that all the time but look you just got to take the day day as <laughs> you got to control the day because uh-huh yesterday's over tomorrow's not here yet like the only thing we can focus on is what's at task today and winning the day and and, and some days are rougher than others look the insurance world you've got tons of curveballs that come out you've got tornadoes you've got all kinds of stuff that try to throw you off your game and so I I don't know I, I love because it's been fun to watch and and I know you've talked about your mindset shift as well like how you you've really changed your mindset around where you were <clears throat> two years ago to to today and I think and maybe talk a little bit I think maybe that would be a l- good to talk about like how why that mindset shift changed because I feel like when that that shift changed and watching you that's when you started so you've scaled a little bit more you've got a little bit bigger team you're producing at an <laughs> at a, a lot uh, a larger level um, making more money like talk a little bit about that
1: um, I heard a story well let, let me preface this way where where my office is located it's in Wyoming Pennsylvania and it's it, it's 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 a higher end living area and when you go through the neighborhood especially when I ride my bicycle through the neighborhoods people go oh that's old money that's old money things like that my grandparents owned a outgrown shop before outgrown shops or these retro shops were popular. Okay. Um, They've always hustled. They've always, you know, month to month, week to week, sale to sale. My 180 mindset was, I want to flip the script of my family living month to month, sale to sale. And unless you change your mindset and Open yourself up to the opportunities that the universe presents to you. As long as you're willing to accept them, then that's what I needed to do as a husband, as a father of a business owner to change the outcome, change my family story. By changing my mindset, it's changed my wife's mindset. It's changed my oldest daughter's mindset my youngest daughter's mindset. It's changed my father's mindset. Um, so yeah, I wanted to change that story. I didn't want to be the hustling family. I wanted to be the successful family. And by reading books, by listening to podcasts, by opening yourself to opportunities that are there, if you allow yourself to see them, that's the mindset. And, and at 51 years old, that's the change that I'm going through. And mm. some people might say it's a midlife crisis, but it's not. Uh, it's just, you got to make that change. And to get better, you have to make yourself better first.
0: Mm. I love that. I love that. Thank you for, all right. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's a little, that's a little vulnerable. And I, man, I, and you know, this, I agree with that a hundred percent because if you're not, I feel like if you're not growing, if you're not developing, if you're not investing in yourself, you're not reading, listening to podcasts, whatever you're doing, you're going to become complacent. And when you become complacent, things can get very scary, um, in my opinion, because with life, you just then all of a sudden, what else becomes complacent? Does your relationship with your spouse become complacent? Does your relationship with your kids become complacent? And so I think by pushing yourself in that mindset of, always improving just slightly learning something new growing developing just at that that 1% a day just just move the needle a little bit every single day i think that that is um that's that's huge so kudos to you for 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 doing that like at at what 50 years old you're like something's got to change and you and you and it, and you started this obviously a little bit earlier at 48 49 but kudos mm-hmm. to you for just being like this has got to stop. Like if, 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 if it's going to stop, it's stopping with me and we're going to make a change. And not only in, in your situation, but the future of your family. And, and I think that's that's legacy. And I, I love that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, when my kids were tiny, tiny, um, there was a sign that was up in their daycare uh, right when you first walked in. It said the balance, when, you're, when your time ends on the earth, the balance in your checkbook doesn't matter. It's the legacy that you leave behind to your family that matters, and that stuck with me. And that's that's really something that I remind myself all the time. And it's it's it all leads back to that mindset. What are you doing to get better for yourself, for your family, for your team, for your customers? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's that professional development. One of the things that, that I, that I go through every day is when I get in my car, I, you said it is your car is your mobile university. That's where you learn. That's where you listen to podcasts where back in the day I would treat that 30 minute commute. as Oh, I'm going to listen to a radio station. Oh, I don't like that song. Click. Oh, I don't like that one. Click. It was a time waste. Now. That time is used to listening to the insurance buzz, to listen to some other podcasts, just to learn that one other thing. And and now my team does it. We'll come in and say, "Hey, did you hear the latest episode?" And this is what I took from it, and it's it it sparks that conversation. And that's what's great about it. it it's that technology is there. Why wouldn't you use it to be get to get better? Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do is to get better each and every day. You know, for you, your spouse, your team, your your customers, that's all you have to do is to get better.
0: So yep. There is um <clears throat> there's literally no excuse for you not to achieve whatever you want to achieve in life with the technology that is available to be able to learn how to get there. Cause whatever you want to do, there's been <laughs> there's been lots of people that have got to where you want to go in life. And so let's try to, let, let's not reinvent the wheel. Like, I mean, Tony, that's one of my favorite quotes by Tony Robbins. He's like, quit yeah. trying oh, to yeah. reinvent the wheel, just mimic what somebody else has done and just do it. Like, take the path. Like, um, so I, I love that, man. Kudos to you. So before we got on here, we were talking about the importance of disconnecting. Um, disconnecting from the business a little bit. Um, and and I'm a huge fan of it. And so I'm going to ask you what disconnecting from the business is looks like, because I believe there's seasons of life. There's there's fast seasons, there's slow seasons, there's seasons of of serious work. And then there's there's seasons of let's maybe work more on the business versus in the business. So talk to me a little bit about what that, like when I say the importance of disconnecting, what that looks like to you.
1: When I leave the office to go on vacation, to go away for a few days, to take a day trip with my wife, I don't check in with my team. I don't ask them, what did they sell? What didn't they sell? Um, When when I go away, I literally go away. Uh, So that's the disconnect for me. That's that recharge. I always, uh, you know, because I talk about it all the time. And if people follow me on social media, I ride my bike a lot. Um, If you talk to my wife, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I make more life decisions behind those handlebars more than I do anywhere else in the world. So that's that disconnect for me. If you're always in your office, even though you're not physically there, you can't have a clear thought. You can't have a clear plan. You can't see if that tiny little micro change that you made is working because you're constantly running through the forest. You got to step back. You got to climb that big hill and be able to take that big, huge overview and say, oh, I made that change there. I can see it working over there. So that's the key for me to disconnect. All of us agents are type A. We all want to be involved. We all feel as though we have the answer to, you know, make things happen and, and micromanage and oversee everything. If you don't let your people do what they're there to do, and you don't step away and let them do what they're supposed to do, you're only defeating yourself and you're going to shake their confidence. So that's for me, that's what disconnecting is. Let them let them do they know what to do. They're professionals. They've been trained. I don't need to check in on them. That way, when I'm away with my wife, she has my time. I'm not thinking about the lost sale or did we get that life policy or didn't we? I'm engaged with her at that moment in time. Or when I'm with my dad or my kids or I'm with my friends riding my bike. That's mm-hmm. that's the beautiful thing about disconnecting.
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. I could go down so many routes with that because <laughs> you're you're... I love I love your mindset on this cuz number 1 behind your handlebars is kind of like that's your quiet place that's kind of like a meditation like that's where you're going to allow your thoughts to like Because we get get thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts a day. I think it's like 65,000, I think, thoughts a day. Well, you're not going to catch most of them. Um, But by being able to slow down, all of a sudden, maybe that idea that you didn't catch because you're at the office scrambling around, all of a sudden, now you catch behind your handlebars. So I love that. I love the fact that you are empowering your team enough that you trust them to do the job while you're there or while you're not there, and that you communicate to them, hey, I'm going to be gone for a week. Place is yours. This is what needs to get done. I trust you all. When I get back, bam. Like, And, and that, that's going to, when you show that amount of empowerment to your team, they're going to buy into the agency much, much more because you're empowering them to to really treat it like it's their own, which I think there's something to be said about that too. Like you're not their babysitter, you're their leader. Like you're just trying to set them up for success and you trust that they're going to be successful and do the job that they're supposed to do while you're gone. And and so I think there's there's something to be said about, about that too. So kudos, man. And the last thing I would say is intentional. Like you have to be intentional with your time. When you're at the office, be at the office. When you're with your with your wife or spouse on a vacation, be with your spouse. Like that's, that's one of the things that I, we always did as well. Like when we, when we travel back when we had the agency, we like, I would check email and that was it. Like we might be gone for a month. All I would do is check email. Like I would check email obviously after (laughs) I would check in with the team being gone (laughs) for a month, but But just a simple, hey, how was your day? What's going on? Like, and that was it because I trusted them through the processes and systems. I knew they knew what to do. I knew I loved them. I trusted them. Bam. Like, and so I think there's a lot to be said about that um, versus being on vacation and still trying to be a micromanager. And and so you got to disconnect to be able to work on the business. Versus being in the business all the time, because if you're in the business all the time, just like you said, you can't take a bird's eye view at the business to really see number one what's going on now. Where do I want to get? Where do I? Where am I going? And how do I get there?
1: Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, my time behind my handlebars that brings me so much clarity. Uh, you know, my my team, my wife. God lover. If my mood's a little off, she'll look at me and she'll go, I think you need to go for a bike ride. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gone.
0: Nope. That's so, your yeah. So. That's your happy nope. place, man. That's and I very, think very much so. And I think everyone, so I, I think that's a valid point. I think everyone needs to figure out, especially business owners and entrepreneurs. Cause I think sometimes we feel like we're on an island. By ourselves, we can 't talk to people, especially sometimes i 'm blessed in the fact that obviously my spouse is in the business with me so but a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, their spouses they don 't work with their spouses, and so sometimes it feels like you don 't maybe have anyone to talk to and so that quiet place, that happy place that allows you to gather your thoughts, really think through processes, think through this is what 's going on at the office how do i how do I fix this or, or what 's the path going forward? I think that anyone listening to this right now, you need to figure out what, what Brandon's figured out. Brandon's figured out that not only does he enjoy riding the bike, um, but also he enjoys the fact that it, it slows everything down and allows him to think more about the business um, and, and on the business versus working in the business. So I think there, there's something to be said about that. So thanks for sharing that, my man. That, that's good stuff. Um, Absolutely. So if Brandon, if somebody wanted, to contact you? What's the what's the best way? Do you have a website? Whatever works. And obviously this will all be in the show notes too. So
1: sure. Um, if anybody ever wanted to reach out to me, social media is probably the easiest way. Um, as a former photographer, Instagram is kind of like my fancy coloring book. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I go by the prez 6371. I also have a uh, State Farm agent Brandon Hansen on Instagram. Uh, same thing with Facebook, uh, I'm listed there, you know, just search for Brandon Hanson. Uh, you'll see uh, pictures of me on my bike. You'll see pictures of my cat, Fiona. <laughs> uh, you'll see pictures of, uh, you know, my wife and, and you know, things that we get to do. Um, yeah, that's that's the easiest way to reach out to me. I love talking to other sales professionals. I love offering advice or just a different point of view. So if anybody at any point in time says, hey, this is what I experienced. What did you do? I'm more than happy to, to help. Um, I'm a little open book when it comes to, to helping other professionals and, and people in general.
0: That's uh that's what it's all about, man. Helping <laughs> helping each other that makes the world go around. What you put into this universe, you get right back out of it. So my man, thank you so much for coming on the buzz today. I appreciate you. Any any last words, Brandon? This was a lot of
1: fun. Uh thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh what you're doing with the insurance buzz and, and Weaver Sales Academy is really a game changer, is really a life changer. I thank you. I thank you. Uh and Courtney, when I met you guys last week in Las Vegas, it was like meeting a, an old friend. Uh, it was just very comfortable. Uh, bringing that 2D world into the 3D world was was fantastic. Uh, yeah, that this was a lot of fun. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you got it, brother. No, it was uh, the feeling is the feelings mutual, and we uh, we appreciate you and your support, and it's. Uh... It's fun and I can't wait to wait to watch you still grow and develop and see where you're going, man. Cause you're going, you're going special places. So I, I love it. So all of you listening, if you enjoyed the buzz today, make sure you give us a five-star review if you have not already. And as many of you know, time is the most valuable and important asset that we all have. I appreciate you spending the time with Brandon and I today, Brandon, thank you so much for your time today, brother. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a ton of fun. Thanks. All right, everybody go out and make it
0: great. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Insurance Buzz. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. If you want to take your insurance agency to the next level and join our community, simply check out Weaver Sales Academy at www.weaversa.com. Again, that's www.weaversa.com or visit the show notes on our new and current programs we have available exclusively for you. As always, time is the most valuable and important asset that we all have And I appreciate you spending it with me. See you on the next episode.